Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. If you couldn't tell from the well ho 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 sound effect and the terrifying sleigh sound bells, effect. <laughs> no, it's it's warm and cozy and inviting. It's Santa visiting us for our Christmas episode. Yeah, so it's Christmas time and it's the time of year that you put out milk and cookies so that your favorite film critic <laughs> podcast host and author of Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas visits your home to talk to you about Christmas movies. It's true. If you put out milk and cookies, I will pretty much go anywhere. <laughs> and he's here. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and usually one who brings the treats. This is also, that's thanks to Dave, yes. But uh, hi. Uh, you know, I, Christmas is about creating new traditions all the time. And so I now like to think when December rolls around, when am I doing all things cozy? Exactly. Yeah, we love that, having you on. We, we do. And that's what we think, too, which is why you're back again. <laughs> so welcome back, Alonzo Duraldi. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we have a very exciting topic for you today. It's a topic that we've addressed before, mm-hmm. but not directly. And so we're really going to dive into Hallmark Christmas movies oh, this yes. episode. And... I can't wait to open that present up. Because they really are a See gift. See what's underneath the tree. Yeah. <laughs> now remember, if it's a present in a Hallmark movie, it's going to be a wrapped box and a wrapped lid that you pull off the top. It's never actually wrapped because, you know, you couldn't do a second take. Of course not. You know, if, if I had enough space, it would be kind of nice just to have those in the closet somewhere so I never <laughs> had to wrap another present. I'm so bad at wrapping. Oh, me too. In both oh, yeah. senses of the word. <laughs> With or without the W. <laughs> yeah, not for me. I keep waiting for the day that my rap presents don't look like a seven-year-old did it. It's well, a whole scene. I don't know how people do that. Where they take the scissors and they just slice right through. Oh, in a straight line? Yeah, yeah I don't either. know. I, Dave's I, real good at it. I, I, I'm just proficient enough to not totally embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you look too closely, there's a lot of folding and like yeah. taping going on. I think it's witchcraft. <laughs> We're going to get started with discussing what's making us feel cozy this Christmas. Fireplace or forest fire? You I know. Yeah. That was actually a little popper. Uh, that, that, <laughs> <laughs> that was the sound of the California forest oh, fire. That, that's not funny. Oh. I, I should not make that joke. Too soon. Um, too soon. That sounded like, yeah, firecrackers. Like yeah, those little poppers. Yeah. The, the snapping pops. Yes. Yeah. But it's a crackling fireplace because we're in cozy places, right? Or, mm-hmm. or whatever is making us feel cozy this this holiday season. So I'll get us started. Mm-hmm. Mine is really on the theme of everything else we're discussing, which is... The Netflix holiday movie Princess Switch. Is mm. it The Princess Switch? I think it's The Princess yeah. Switch. Okay, I don't want to forget the article. It's very important. <laughs> so I watched The Princess Switch maybe a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. whenever it just came out, and it really is... I mean, it's insane. It's really <laughs> over the top. It's about a baker who finally gets her chance to do this big um, baking competition and. Right. Bulgravia or Belgravia. Bulgravia. Yeah. Bulgravia is kind of what it sounds like <laughs> I just said. <laughs> That's in the porn version. <laughs> anyway, so um, in in that place, uh, she has a baking competition, but she goes and she somehow stumbles upon her identical lookalike, who's this princess of a, another country. It's about to marry the prince of the, of that country, and the princess is like, "Hey, do you want to switch?" For not, I can't remember why, and they agree really easily. So there's, I, I think a, it's like, look, I'm about to marry this prince, and I'm going to be stuck being like the, in the no fun zone. I want a couple of days as a commoner to like let my hair down. So right. let's trade. Sounds exactly. like a Hillary Duff movie, where they she switches with that pop star. What's that movie? 
I'm thinking of Hannah Montana for whatever reason. <laughs> no, That's well, not it either. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. I was thinking of the Parent Trap, you know. Yeah. But, uh, and it, it, yeah, it's. Uh, I think I, I made the joke on Twitter that it's a double fantasy because she's already a baker, and now she has <laughs> yeah. to be a princess. <laughs> no, it's true, and it's really it's full of all of those like holiday movie tropes, mm-hmm. but it's just gripping in a way that I it's truly inexplicable you can't keep your eyes off it also if you do stop watching it for like two seconds you'll totally miss the plot because <laughs> things are happening all the yeah. time and just it, there's a lot of really weird interpersonal dynamics between like the baker's co-worker and the prince and there's a lot to unpack there but it's fascinating it is kind of funny in its own way like it in a I don't know. It's it deserves to be watched. So I highly I, recommend I, it. I was charmed by it, and yeah. it's it is hella cozy. It is really really cozy. And um, Netflix is stepping up its game with its Christmas movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just so silly. Like my favorite scene is when there's a baker who wants to sabotage our hero, <laughs> and the way she does it is she cuts the cord on the mixer on her baking station, and it's like. She just asked for another mixer. They have other. It's a competition. <laughs> well, like you know, you say, "Oh my, my the wire's cut. Like someone, something's wrong here. Like it's just a, it's an easy fix." But when and, and that scene that she, happens, I and, love that. Like it's a timed competition. They have three hours to make it or whatever. And she doesn't notice that the mixer isn't working until well into the process. Right. I'm like, uh, that would have been the first thing to cream yeah. your your butter and sugar. Like, come on. So it doesn't get everything right, but it, 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 it gets Beyond cozy. Beyond that, it's right. a documentary. <laughs> Jillian, what is y- making you feel cozy this holiday season? Well, uh, I was in Toronto. I visited Toronto's Christmas market. Ooh. And yeah, and Christmas markets are, you know, they're, they're made to be cozy. But this one was particularly um, cozy and inviting. It was just a beautiful space. It's in their distillery district, I believe. And it's all these big red brick buildings. And they have all these vendors with homemade uh, wares to sell. So mm. that's what I liked about it too. It's all these independent vendors come and bring their, their carts. And so I got this little tart um, that was really delicious. The guy who was selling it was lovely. I believe he made it himself. Mm. Um, and there's beautiful displays of ornaments everywhere. Um, of course, they have the poutine. Let me say mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> And I, I uh, got the, the poutine. Yeah. Mm. I got a pierogi, which I hadn't, yeah. I've never had mm. in my life. So that was very really? delicious. I know, no, I've not, somehow I just managed. You've, been, my, a you've been my friend for so long. <laughs> you know, for 29 years. I've never had a pierogi. I feel offended in some way. I don't know why. <laughs> why do you hate really Polish people? <laughs> it feels yeah. personal. Yeah, but it was, so, it was so good. It was freezing that day that we decided to go. It's, it's outdoors and indoor. Mm-hmm. But it was just such a beautiful display. There was a huge big tree in the middle of the square. They were handing out free cookies, and I, I assume there was going to be like a scam involved because <laughs> Julian I, trusts no one. I was like, well, first cookies always free. You know, yeah, I was like, well, what am I going to have to sign up for and whatnot? But they really, they just gave us this, the most delicious cookies. Wow. Um, it was everyone was so nice. They had twinkling lights everywhere. They had a hot chocolate factory, um, so you got to see everything being made. I had a hot chocolate shot, which I. I have to say, I don't really recommend taking a pipe, piping hot shot <laughs> of chocolate. Ouch. But what, what was their hot booze? Like uh, every time I watch one of those PBS specials about the European Christmas mm-hmm. markets, everybody has their glug or their, you know, punch cider or whatever. Yeah, that's the only thing I would have to say was missing. Huh. Uh, maybe I just didn't. In Canada? Come. Yeah, I, it's, it's, I, I think they had boozy hot chocolate, um, mm. but I didn't come across any you know, hot alcoholic beverages, which I I think that's one thing they could improve on if I didn't see it. Yeah, if they're handing anything out for free, it should have been yeah. whatever glorg or glug or whatever. Yeah, but it was, it, was a, it was a magical, magical space. And it wasn't, it didn't feel too crowded. It did get crowded by nighttime, but um, 
It's just a lovely, magical space. So many things to look at, so many trinkets, so much sparkle. I'm I'm super jealous because, like, Dave and I always say, if if we won the lottery, like, we would go on one of those Viking River cruises to the Christmas market. Someone's been watching Downton Abbey. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But, yeah, I I totally want to go in, like, December and go to, like, you know, Belgium and France and Germany, all those places where they have those those markets because they just seem like a dream. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was was a dream. I think since it was, you know, Austin, Canada, that it had that more of that Nordic kind of feel and vibe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had those, those influences, which was nice and it's magical. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> Having been to Berlin and, and gone to their holiday Ew. markets, mm-hmm. you know, uh, world I can I can relate. They're really <laughs> cozy. German Christmas markets are amazingly cozy. They're just like they're to me. They're the epitome of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Sure, and they're the food is so. Yeah, um, food's what's really mm, brings it wonderful. home. Wonderful, yeah. Yeah, a lot like of it part. I can't have because like it's sausage. But well, you know, that's, that's on you. That is on me. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll take that. So you, you said you had a, a a tart you liked. What was her name? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I thought about it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> what a very delicious tart. Yeah. What kind was it? <laughs> I, for for me, everyone was like, I was gonna say peanut butter and chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a Reese's cup. No, <laughs> it was there's all these different kinds, and I I love Peter Burn chocolate combo. It, no, it is really amazing, and there's nothing absolutely. better. It was very well made, so Yum. better than a Reese's cup. Name a more iconic duo. <laughs> <laughs> Alonzo, what is making you feel cozy this holiday season? Uh, I have to give it up to the the theme parks in Los Angeles who, you know, will never see a flake of real snow in their lives, but really go out of their way to sort of create a snow-adjacent holiday experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I am not one of those people that goes to Disney World, not sorry, Disneyland, like, you know, with any regularity, I don't ever get an annual pass or whatever, but I love going at Christmas time. I love the, the, it's a small world ride when they yeah. do their sort of Christmas overlay. I love the nightmare before Christmas overlay on haunted mansion, the giant crazily decorated trees on main street. And then, you know, in Disneyland at the end of the day, they do the fireworks show, which a lot of times is this thing called like memories of the the holiday or holiday magic or something, which is really, you know, it, they get this woman who's very Angela Lansbury like to narrate it. And it gets, it's, it, it can be moving. You can, you know, especially because at the end of it, like the big sort of final flourish of, of fireworks and then down comes the quote unquote snow, uh, which is like soap bubbles, but it's really well done. And some years like it really looks like the thing and you just get, you get that feeling of like being in a Hallmark movie mm-hmm. and all these, all the things kind of coming together that way. And then over at California Adventure, they do the, the, not the Festival of Lights, that's Hanukkah, the the World of Color, where they project stuff on the fountain water and do a whole sort of oh, holiday cool. theme of that that like uh, is also very you know emotional and, and stuff. And so I really dig that. This year, I'm, for the first time, I'm going to go to Universal because I still haven't been to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, oh my God. which I know y'all are fans <laughs> of, and apparently they got nightly snowfall on that yes. too. So and the, a light show. Okay, cool. And then and there's also like a whole Grinch thing yeah. going on. So I'm super psyched about that. So I, I got to give it up to the uh, to the theme parks in here in the tropics of Southern California for like making Christmas work. You know, via special effects. Yeah, they go out their way. They go, do go out their way. Last year I went to Universal for. Because they had NBC's Christmas party there. Oh, nice. And they really went all out. They had this um, musical number with the Grinch. Huh. It's like yeah, it's this whole it's like um whole song and dance that they did. These multiple performances. Was it like the, you're a me and Mr. Grinch? That song. 
Or do they do a different? Was I think it they Mariah Carey? <laughs> you know what? I don't recall, but there's there's repeated performances, okay. and it was all like just a whole medley of things. For some reason, they did bring him home from Les Mis. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. I, Chris, I, 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 I didn't stay. I really don't like musical numbers, but I saw them in the distance, and they're handing out that butter beer. Right, it butter oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. butter beer. Yeah, so you should try that. And it really was nice with all the diff- lights and the snow. And but I did not go on this one ride that Matt had um, said I should go on. What's it? Oh, the Hogwarts ride. Yeah, because he said that it wasn't scary. I don't like scary rides. But then other people I spoke to say you get tossed almost upside down. Not so, really. It's pretty light. I don't know. You're, I'm going to stay away uh, from you're that. You're not upside down at any point. I, I will check it out and report back. Yeah. Yes, report back. Okay. I, I might want to try it, but if I'm going upside down, no. I think you'd be fine. Okay. Yeah, I don't want to be held upside down by a ride. That's where I get Right. Like, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is really nice to me. It is funny how they basically make a theme park that's all shops, and everyone's like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> it's two rides and stores. Right. I love um, the stores. But the stores are so charming, and they're yeah, of that world, that and they're nice. so detailed that and well so done. Cozy. Well, and I mean, they're do- it's, it's Diagon Alley, right? So that's mm-hmm. kind of baked into Hogsmeade. the whole... Oh, Hogsmeade. Okay, well, it's, that works too. Yeah, so the one in Orlando is the one that has... Diagon Alley I see. and Hogsmeade, but ah. there's not enough space. Gotcha. And I'm just waiting for the day they finally knock down the, the uh, Waterworld ride to make <laughs> room for uh, Diagon Alley Is that in the plan? LA. I don't know, but it should be. Um, well, it's, not, it's not a ride. It's, a, it's like a show. Right. The Waterworld thing, yeah. which is actually pretty cool. I, I've I, yeah. been to that before. I, yeah, I have, I've, I've, been, I've been wanting to check out this Harry Potter thing, and I just I knew the crowds were always going to be insane, but I'm finally just going to like bite the bullet yeah. and, and check it out. And even, even though like I don't have the attachment to the novels that your generation <laughs> does, I have read them all. I've seen the movies. Like, I'm down. I think you know? you'll like it. The light show is spectacular, and I haven't seen the Christmas version. I just mm. have seen the, the house version where they do like Gryffindor, Ravenclaw. But they project onto the Hogwarts castle. So huh. the whole light show is on the castle, and the spires do different things, the oh, walls cool. do different things. It's really something else. And I've been plotting, too, to figure out when we can go okay. before I go home to Chicago this year, because I've never been in the winter, and I oh, kind of want to see it all decorated. I, I, have a, I have a cool little insider tidbit from somebody I know who works in theme park stuff. <gasps> Apparently, J.K. Rowling has, like, part of her deal in all of this is that she can walk into any sort of Wizarding World at any of the parks, and if she feels like they're not doing it right or it's not you know, sufficiently magical or you know, up to snuff... She can shut it down. <gasps> really? Yeah. That she has like that kind of veto power, basically. I wonder if she goes incognito. Maybe, <laughs> but like if yeah, but if they're not on their game, if she thinks it's getting shabby or it's somehow like not up to snuff and and really delivering on the brand, she can she can pull wow. the plug right there. Well, good thing she's in the UK. So. <laughs> exactly. She's got other fish to fry. <laughs> they can tell she's coming a mile She's away. got more terrible Fantastic Beasts movies <laughs> exactly. to write. She's, she's already <laughs> occupied. Shouldn't she be held to her own standard by that <laughs> yeah, point? I was going to say, can I get up in the middle of Crimes of Grindelwald and be like, you know what? Not good enough. <laughs> can, can we do a vote of no confidence and, and have her stop making those movies? As a Harry Potter fan, like I don't, I don't want to dwell too much on this because it's not on topic, but I, I appreciate those movies and the... I, I kind of like the Crimes of Grindelwald a little better. I, I, I didn't it, see it, to be fair, but I, I hated the first one, so I skipped it. I thought it kind of at least like had a direction mm-hmm. that it was going in, but this is my one complaint. My one major complaint about these movies is, okay, I have two major complaints. <laughs> one is that get a different director, okay? We mm. need a different, a fresh voice. When Alfonso Cuaron took the third movie and made it fresh, I think that's what really revitalized the series, and they need to do that again, because if 
David Yates has had enough work on Harry Potter. Give him something new to do. That's my first thing. Second thing is stop referencing the Harry Potter mythos, like the actual Harry Potter and his family. It's like the same four families Mm -hmm. that have the most are the most important families in the entire world. Everything connects back to them. Like that's what I hate about prequels in general. It's like they feel like they got to guide it to the thing you know, whether or not it's an organic journey or not. Grow the world out. Stop having it close in on itself, it yeah. makes it seem really like fake and tiny. And what I loved about reading the books is that you're put into this world that just keeps expanding and growing and, and you're finding new corners of it and discovering things. Yeah. And th- the Fantastic Beast movies are doing the exact opposite. They're yeah. closing it in. A, 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 with a prequel, the end of the tunnel is a funnel. Right. <laughs> exactly. So that's... JK, if you're listening, please take that advice seriously. I, I, I really you. believe that. All right, so the main event. Here we go. Yes. So it's time to talk about Hallmark Christmas movies. I'm so, so excited. We are here to discuss one specific movie. So we all watched Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe, not Zombies. Not Poinsettia. Somebody pointed out that would have been a better title. <laughs> right. So we'll discuss that, and then we'll kind of broaden our conversation out into Hallmark Channel Christmas movies in general. Sure. We're also drinking the Hallmark channel countdown to christmas tea so we'll have a review for you of that alonzo was kind enough to give us a sample yes, thank today. you oh well look as soon as i heard it existed i was like i gotta give me some of that yeah i was really excited pride prejudice and mistletoe who would like to take a stab at summarizing the plot of pride prejudice and mistletoe? i'm looking at alonzo because okay. i feel like i feel like this is this is kind of your full-time yeah. job fair so. enough all right so uh we have uh lacey chabert uh the you know hallmark channel's little darling uh as darcy fitzwilliam mm-hmm. And that's about as close as we actually get to Pride and Prejudice, yeah. just in case yeah. you were wondering. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like, just cr- cramming Chris- two character names together. Christmas at Pemberley Manor felt more like Pride and Prejudice than this one did, which was one they did earlier this year. Um, she is a uh, corporate, uh, what, stockbroker, I guess? Or that was unclear. I never, I never I, could tell. Fund I think manager. Fund manager sounds some, right. Something with investment banking. Uh, the press release, I think, said financial advisor, but that, that was very hard to pin that down. Might work too. Listen, she works in an office. She, yeah, but she is, but she's a partner in the company. It's not like she's, you know, a rising, you know, whatever. And her, one of her partners is very like, oh, okay, great, well, have a good Christmas, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's clearly like there's something shady is going yeah. on behind the scenes. So she goes home to Ohio, where her mom has taken over this year's. Pemberley charity event. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, it's a Hallmark movie. So whatever your job is, woman, you got to plan a party. Um, <laughs> and so the uh, the mom has already hired a caterer who turns out to be Darcy's like high school nemesis mm-hmm. frenemy named Luke, played by Brendan Penny. And the two of them wind up having to work together on this this fundraiser, and you know the fundraiser is going to help out the local like kids community center, and so they decided to have the kids sing at the party, and then at some point for some reason the waiters bail out of the party, so the kids then become the wait staff as well, and all along like you know she and Luke start kind of like you know having their banter, but it's clearly getting more romantic, and they're falling in love, but they keep almost kissing because it's a Hallmark movie, and you can't do that to the last five minutes and there's this running gag about her asking what mistletoe actually means and uh, they fall in love like that's that's kinda, pretty much that's, it. That's, that's yeah, it's a great right? summary yeah <laughs> pretty much sum, summed it up yeah so what are your thoughts well there's really no chemistry for me because <laughs> there's supposed to be this rivalry and i just it just fell flat they're really what they're supposed to have that back and forth you're supposed to be you know longtime rivals and so when they first met it didn't it had that energy to me yeah 
the banter's a little stiff. Like yeah, it, banter's a little stiff. It, it should feel, you know, especially if you're going to, oh my God, why are you even citing Jane Austen if you're not even going to like remotely try and co- cover that exactly. plot? But if you're even trying to sort of recapture the Elizabeth Darcy kind of bristly romance, yeah, they just kind of seem bratty, you yeah. know, <laughs> like, yeah, the, the, like the very sort of one-uppy with each other. And it's not, and I don't know if it's the writing or the performing or both, but but yeah, you're right. The chemistry is is off. Something that kind of stuck out to me, well, two, one thing I really liked about the movie, and this is something Hallmark movies do really well in general, which is in the Christmas movies, the decor is 100% there. Well, her house was great. Yeah. I, I mean, every scene is crammed with Christmas decorations yes. and mm-hmm. seasonal flair. And as a fall harvest viewer, I have a little resentment about that <laughs> because they feel totally comfortable pumping out fall harvest movies with nary a leaf in them. And yet somehow <laughs> these Christmas movies, they never fail to actually totally duck them out. And, that, and that's, I think, to their credit because you really... And I think that's, to me, why like watching them more than anything else is there's, there's a way that Hallmark movies dare you to pay attention to them like i dare you to actually pay attention like actively watch actively this movie, watch this movie <laughs> yeah 100%. you should it should be like thumbing through a bowl of somebody else's christmas cards and yeah. just sort of taking in the imagery of it and feeling the holiday feels without actually listening to what anyone's <laughs> saying no absolutely right you're it's just kind of on they're better the less you actively watch them <laughs> yes like the more that they're just on in the background and you're on your phone like it's the only viewing experience i can really identify that's better when you're distracted but so the decor really worked for me. I thought it was funny that her her home in Ohio was a mansion? literal castle. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I was taken aback. I was like, going to Ohio, walking straight into my mansion. Right. I was, that took me aback too. But I, I guess her dad is some. He, yeah, he's also a big financial yeah. lobby ba, and he's like trying to get her to move home uh, to work in his firm. But of course, she has her own firm in New York, and she'd rather not. The dad, by the way, is played by Art Hindle uh, from David Cronenberg's The Brood, um, and actually, who Dave and I on LKTV we made this episode public. It's usually one of our Patreon ones. We watched this old Patty Duke TV movie called Before and After, where she plays a housewife that loses a lot of weight. Like that's the plot of the movie, and he's like oh, the boy. younger dude who's into her. <laughs> so it was just weird to see Art Hindle again. And was his wife? Uh, was she on Queer as Folk? Yes, make that up? She, okay. she's Justin's mom on Queer as Folk. Okay. Oh I my goodness, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah, that was the highlight of the movie for me. Actually. I probably wasn't, yeah, I probably I was wasn't like, paying oh. enough attention. I wasn't. Yeah. Well, then I'm you were doing it. Then you were watching it right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no, the dad was funny to me because she spends the whole movie trying to actively show how she's responsible for her own life and she's built even though her dad's really powerful and she yeah. comes from this privileged background that she's really made uh made it work for herself and, and meanwhile oh i forgot to mention the partners in new york as, as the longer she's away the more they're trying to like undercut her mm-hmm. yeah because she wants to open up the business to to smaller investors who don't who can't meet the minimum mm-hmm. and they're like no 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 we're we're rising stars we're not having that so mm-hmm. then she finally pieces out and decides to do the dad's company but things are going to be her way yeah and i really liked that aspect of the movie i liked the message of sometimes the strongest thing is to know when to leave and just walk away right mm-hmm. and that that can be a show of strength too and i, I did like that message and I, I it was a slightly more unique resolution for a hallmark movie for me she didn't actively fight no one failed in that moment she sure. was just sort of like okay these people are jerks and i'm gonna walk away from them so yeah. I, I liked i liked how that resolved but i thought it was funny like that conversation with the dad at the end and after so many conversations I feel like with the uh, love interest about how she's, you know, people think that she was given everything in high school, but I'm proving now because they went to high school together. Right. I'm proving now that I'm doing it for myself. And yet 
the movie ends with her having a sit down with her dad. Her dad's like, well, I'm going to give you a company. <laughs> okay. Oh, and there's also like, she's got the Baxter ex-boyfriend floating around. Oh, Carl. Who's, who's only there to create confusion when, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, I swear in a Hallmark movie, if you're interested in somebody and you see them hug their ex, even if it's a great to see you, goodbye forever. <laughs> right. You see that hug from 20 feet away. And you're like, oh my God, they're back together. Yeah. It's all over. I thought we were in love, but yeah. we're not, you know. That's a good point. They, yeah. they pulled that one out. <laughs> for this one. <laughs> they definitely did. Yeah, I mean, Dave would disagree with you somewhat about the, the decor thing because the the decor in these movies is always so fresh out of the Balsam Hill box. Yeah. Like, people will say, oh, this was my grandmother's, you know, ornament or whatever, but for the most part, it all just looks super new and like it you just got it at new, Ross yeah. Dress for Less. I really hate the ribbons around the Christmas trees. Now, and if this is a choice of yours, I'm not I'm not attacking you personally, but <laughs> I, they're in every Hallmark movie, and I just think it's so lazy. To me, it just to me it smacks of we got five minutes to mm-hmm. make this thing look decorated. Let's throw a ribbon around it so that'll cover up a lot of space where normally ornaments would be. That's um, really true. But I do like, I, but I, I I agree with you though. I like the their commitment to overstuffing these rooms yeah. and garlanding the crap out of everything. Well, I noticed watching the, the Princess Switch. Because that is a very decorated movie too, mm-hmm. but you could tell they had a limited budget in terms of set decoration, which mm-hmm. I'm sure Hallmark movies do as well. But maybe because they make so many Christmas movies, they have a lot to pull from. True, yeah, but I'm sure they have a warehouse somewhere. <laughs> the Princess Switch, I was actually actively tracking and able to because they reused the same decorations in in the manor and the cafe, and so they kept reappearing. <laughs> and it's That's like funny. it was so funny to me that this European castle would have the same Christmas decorations as <laughs> as her bakery in Chicago. <laughs> is um, it just me, or is this tree following me? Oh, no, you'd find they had a little <laughs> glittery paper uh, Christmas tree decoration that looks like it, it was definitely from a dollar store. It's everywhere, it's behind everyone, <laughs> lurking. It's kind of like the It Follows of the Princess Switch, <laughs> is this little tree. Well, I mean, and, and some of these Hallmark movies will literally have like the close up of the Balsam Hill logo as they are opening the, the zippered, you know, cloth box of the ornament. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're not even trying to hide it. Yeah. So maybe not the finest Hallmark Channel movie, if if ever there were. Yeah, I mean, I am, you know, out of masochism or a sense of completism, watching all of the Hallmark movies wow. this year, all 37 yeah, wow. of them. Uh, and yeah, this one is not good, not particularly good. And I'm surprised. Yeah, where does it rank for you? It's it's near the bottom. <laughs> I mean, just it, it is it is so sort of like half thought out. And, and I'm surprised because usually you can tell the ones that they are... You know, the, the ones with their sort of name stars get mm-hmm. a little bit better treatment. And the the, one, the only place in this movie where you can tell, okay, we're spending a little more money, is that under the opening credits you get uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home. Like the mm-hmm. original Darling Love version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not like the sort of like, it's, it is Christmas time now song yeah. you've never heard before. <laughs> you know, like there's a handful of these where you can tell, like like in, in uh, A Shoe Addict's Christmas with Candace Cameron Bure, mm-hmm. they shelled out for like, you know, Brenda Lee and somebody else. And, and in the, the, this year's Hallmark Hall of Fame, there's like that King Cole and Andy Williams. But that's rare that they will... will will shell out for like the big sort of the hits. And so, but after we get that song under the opening credits, the rest of it just seems really kind of janky and, and they, they just, blew their budget on that song. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I was just, I was a little taken aback because you, you can usually count on like, like somebody like Lacey Chabert who makes like five or six Hallmark movies a year. They're really going to like give her, you would think she'd have the pick of scripts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just kind of, I was shocked that she went with this one. Do you have a favorite Hallmark channel Christmas movie starlet? Uh, I like I like Alicia Witt a lot because she seems 
she brings an edge to these movies that they don't usually mm-hmm. have. Like she she has a certain real person kind of either inquisitiveness or dorkiness or whatever it is that the characters got that that that, that seems interesting. Uh, I'm kind of liking Jessica Lounders as an up and comer. Uh, she was on the the 90210 reboot, and she was in the other Jane Austen movie mm-hmm. this year, Christmas at Pemberley Manor. Uh, I kind of like her, and I like Nikki Deloach because she also sort of she seems like. The kind of person where she's she's committing to it, but if you asked her to like spin and do the satirical version, she could give you mm-hmm. that. Like she, there's a there's a sense of like a, there's a mischievous wit there that's waiting to break out with her. Uh, I also I, I I have a fondness for her because our mutual friend Michael Verratti. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was doing an Outfest thing where we were doing. Frank DeCaro and I were talking to people involved in Christmas movies and Christmas TV shows, and he brought her, and the, they were on stage with us with another producer of these movies talking about this stuff. Wow. And so, That's really cool. Yeah, so in person, I dug her. But in, even in these movies, I can kind of tell, like, she's she knows what movie she's in, but she also knows what movie she's in. Right. <laughs> Usually... I like the Lacey Chabert ones because they do put more money behind yeah. them and there's uh-huh. more thought into the script. Yeah, like she got to go to what, the South Africa or whatever for that safari one this summer. I don't know. It's weird to me that this was based on a book because Ugh. I would imagine the book would have more references to Jane Austen. One would hope with that title. Like I can only imagine that, that in, in the adaptation process, they must have stripped everything out of it that was Jane Austen-y. I don't know. I've never read the book, so maybe I, I, I don't want to give the book too much credit. But. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah, it's, it just it seems strange. It's like, why if, if you're going to, if you're going to, Put those two words in your title. Yeah. Like, give me something. So I was tracking the sort of tropey scenes in this movie. So I have a list, and then I want you guys to add to it. If you can kind of tell, like, what what are the trademark? You're watching a Hallmark Christmas movie. You're going to see these scenes. Sure. Okay. So first, I noticed that there's always going to be a a Christmas tree decoration scene. So they're they're chatting Mm -hmm. while decorating a tree. Yes. That's that's almost in every movie. Which always culminates with the moment of all the lights coming out at the same time, and everybody going... Yeah. yeah, they're doing half hugs and yeah. you know shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> there's baking, so someone's yes. baking mm-hmm. something. There's a high rise business meeting. So <laughs> at some course. point, someone somewhere, maybe they're on a conference call and they cut to coworkers in right. the in the building, but someone's in an office. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and as an adjunct to that, you, you, I love how all these movies always start with these establishing shots of major metropolitan areas, and so it's sort of like New York, New York, New York, New York. <laughs> Vancouver. <laughs> no, yeah. Like as soon as they get to the sidewalk level mm-hmm. and to the mm-hmm. person, like suddenly it's 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 New York-ish. <laughs> That's really true. I feel like the majority of Hallmark Channel movies start with wide shots, establishing shots yeah. of cities. Central Park or, yeah. you yeah, know, always. like the Chicago skyline, something like that. And then it's like, you know, we're in Calgary. Yeah, yeah. I guess they're starting at the lowest point for them. It's like, because basically the whole thesis of Hallmark movies is cities are terrible. Yes. Move Evil back cities. home to Ohio yeah. um, to your beautiful small town. So they start with the mean old cities, exactly. Exactly. Christmas tree shopping. Yes. Another one. Usually there's hijinks in, involved with that. Like someone oh, can't carry it. It's falling over. Oh, yeah. They would say they, they lean in too hard here on Pride, right. Prejudice and Mistletoe. Lacey Chabert knocks down a whole line of Christmas trees. What an oaf. <laughs> I'm surprised she didn't like, they, they, they didn't all fall down and then knock over a row of motorcycles. Like it was that kind of slapstick bit. Eating dessert late at night. That's something I noticed watching a lot of Paul <laughs> Harvest movies and, and this one, which is mm-hmm. there's always like a, I can't sleep because I'm planning for my big party and I'm nervous. And and the character goes into the kitchen and then like the dad or the mom's there too. And they like have get a the cheesecake out of the fridge. Yeah, they have, get the cheesecake out yeah. of the fridge <laughs> and eat it and talk about their problems. <laughs> Coffee in the morning chat. So kind of a, the, the opposite version of the late at night. Dessert at night. Dessert yeah. at night is... 
in the morning, they all wake up and there's like a spread, like a someone's baking all night and <laughs> like, like making breakfast. Like it's a B and B. Yeah, well, it's and like how in TV like shows they always yeah. like the parents always have you know all these huge breakfasts and the kids just run out the door and don't eat it. Like right. that's <laughs> same thing. They do the opposite in Christmas Wonderland, which I just watched last night, where Emily Osmond is the uh, New York gallery uh, manager who comes back to the small town because her sister and brother in law are leaving town and she has to take care of their kids for a while. And she uh, puts the boxes of cereal out in the morning. They're like. Mom makes us eggs and bacon. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some other tropes that you expect to see in a Hallmark Christmas movie? Well, I want to add to your coffee in the morning thing, which is like if you can also have a a container of Folgers with labeled a camera for a while there. That was like, that was the jam, you know, because you can always tell who's sponsoring these things. I just saw one last night, another new one. Uh, oh, mingle all the way. Um, there is a, literally a close-up of a woman like pumping the top of a Jergens bottle to put like and put it on her hands, and it's like on this table with a bunch of like holiday stuff. But like label the camera, oh my you know. God. And also building on the coffee thing, these movies not only always have independent coffee houses, independent bookstores, independent markets and hardware stores. Like there's never a Target or a Walmart. Yeah, never. During the commercials, always. But during the movie, never. You know, so they fetishize this this way of life, American life that Walmart helped to destroy, basically. And then they also sort of demonize the notion of the the, the, the independent bookstore is always in jeopardy because somebody wants to build condos. Like, it's always, it's either condos, sometimes it's a parking lot, but it's almost always condos. And just for once, I wish it were like, no, that Walmart's going to put us out of business because yeah. that's what actually happens. That's yeah. true. Or there's always that independent business owner who's looking to revamp or launch their big idea. Uh, you know, like in this movie, we have uh, Luke who wants to redo his restaurant. restaurant yeah. Right. And so, and also can we, the name she comes up for his restaurant, Luke's table. <laughs> she was like, I have a great idea. Like this great name. And it's like, Oh, it sounds like a rip off of Luke's diner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's always, it's either like a little, uh, small town guy with big dreams, which is kind of ironic when you consider that all these women in these films are kind of abandoning <laughs> their, their big own, dreams, their yeah. own big dreams, but, um, there's that reconnecting with old friends. There's always like that bestie yes. that they see as soon as they get in town and, you know, they really have, they're just there to, I guess, further you know, that plot line, her plot line. The the thing with her coming up with the terrible restaurant name reminds me, there's also a thing of where if, if the, the it's, it's usually the woman, but sometimes the, uh, the, the male character, you know, they're currently a lawyer or an HR manager mm-hmm. or whatever, but what they really want to do is like be a photographer or be a painter or design Christmas wreaths or whatever. And whenever you see their work, it's always terrible. <laughs> They're always terrible painters and terrible photographers yeah. <laughs> and terrible designers, but everything was like, oh, those are great. No, you really should give up your career and, and, and latch onto this because this is where it's happening. And I'm thinking like, if you be if you wanted to leave to become a baker, we would have to take your word for it that your cookies are actually good. And the actors could sell that the cookies are good and we'll never know the difference. But if you're going to be something that we can see the product, <laughs> we know you're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the one thing that was refreshing, I think, about this you know this this movie was that they were working together and using both of their their strengths and skills uh-huh. whereas usually it's the woman who's kind of just floating in as this domestic role and kind of you know giving up the skills that she had in her, the big evil city right and uh, this time she's still using her 
ideas from New York and her job and working and using uh, her background, I guess, as a financial advisor. Still can't pin that down, but <laughs> um, it's not just her trying to get into domestic life, which was different, I thought. There was an interesting piece in it was either Slate or Salon, I'm forgetting now. Basically, it was like all Hallmark movies are horror movies. Mm-hmm. And they're basically all about women getting sort of brainwashed and, yeah. and stripped of their agency and like kind of forced to to like settle into this, you know, cozy in the bad sense. You I think know? that's really accurate. And in, in a lot of them, they actually have a physical trauma that wipes their memories. I've seen a couple of Hallmark what? movies where True, they have amnesia. Yes. And they wind up in small towns that they don't know that they're, I mean, I guess they're hometown typically, but they don't know anybody because they have amnesia. And they're just trapped there and everyone's taking advantage of them, <laughs> manipulating <laughs> them. They're, they can be, when you really peel back the layers, there is there is true horror in these movies. Yeah, I would, like there was one this year called A Veteran's Christmas about this woman who had just gotten back from Afghanistan and she's like on her way to Cincinnati where mm-hmm. she's got a job waiting for her, but she winds up, like the car breaks down in this small town. And like... Oh yeah, the, car breakdowns is another one. Oh yes, but like the level of manipulation to keep her there where they're like <laughs> lying to her about the car not being ready and all this yeah. stuff, you know, so that she can fall in love with the local judge it's like this is creepy yeah. and, like, and like this woman like she, she survived Afghanistan to come back to you people like yeah. you know trying that's to trap point. her there it's so bizarre I, that's why I, one that I've been pointing to that was on last year that they've been rerunning during um, their 24-7 mm-hmm. Christmas uh, extravaganza is called A Gift to Remember because it's about a woman in the city who is trying to get a promotion to be the, the head manager of the bookstore where mm-hmm. she works. She runs into a guy with her bike, gives him amnesia, has to help him sort of figure out why he's there and what his deal is and blah, blah, blah. But it literally, and uh, you know, I'll spoil it because these all end the same way, uh, she gets the promotion. He is going to move to the city from the small town to be with her. Oh, and it's like, oh my God, Hallmark, yeah. look at you. Wow. Like, this, is, this feels revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> So that, that one sounds a little bit different, but why do you think it is that the movies are all so similar? Like, it's it's one thing to have, like, a certain style or sort of a style guide to how you make your movies as a channel. Right. But what stri- strikes me about Hallmark movies is it's not just the way they look or the theme that they have, but the actual story beats yeah. are almost always identical. Like, they just sort of rewrite the same movie a hundred times. I, th- I think it's the McDonald's thing, where, like, you just you want to know exactly what you're getting. Yeah. And, and you know, where Dave's mom had a stroke and lived in a nursing home for the last several years of her life. And he would talk about, like, nursing home television. Like, you know, a lot of USA Network shows, you know, like mm-hmm. Suits and Psych were very big at the nursing home. But I think about, like, these shows, if you were a shut-in or if you're, like, if you have the flu and you're watching them on the sofa, like, you can nod off in the middle of Pride and Prejudice and Mistletoe and wake up in the middle of Christmas Wonderland and still know exactly what's, <laughs> yeah. what has happened and what's going to happen, you know? And I think that's part of the coziness factor. And again, like you said, these movies do appear to be designed to be like the third most important thing that you're paying attention to. Mm -hmm. So like if you are wrapping Christmas presents and you have something in the oven that you're waiting to like be done and then there's this movie on too. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're absolutely right that the predictability is what a huge factor of what makes them cozy for me. What I love is that the imagery in the background because it all Mm -hmm. always are so warm and inviting looking. It almost, it's basically analogous to the, the fireplace uh, channel, right? right? You yeah, the Yule log. Yeah. The Yule log, exactly. It's basically a, a slightly more advanced version of a Yule log. I like program. the low stakes 
Yeah. <laughs> they're nothing, you know, at the end of the day, if they don't put on the, the auction, <laughs> what's going to happen. And Except so, that you know they will. Yeah, exactly. It's relaxing. Um, I was wondering, what do you think about why there's always dead parents in all of these films? It's always the mom. Hmm. Oh, good point. Yeah, that's true. That does. There, there's a lot of dead mom in these movies. Um, I think because I think it, it's, it's a it's a it's a easy way to sort of add a level of like poignancy and sentimentality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess because it's generally a female protagonist, you know, bridging the gap in the relationship with the dad is maybe more dramatically interesting mm-hmm. than with the mom. Like we think that they're, that's, that's, that's a relationship that's going to exist already, you know? And I think it allows for a sense of like, Oh, it's what she would have wanted or this was her favorite mm-hmm. song. And Oh God, that's another thing that happens in these movies. People dance to Christmas carols, <laughs> which is the most insane thing ever. But like, literally, they'll be out at a restaurant, and you know, the the band. There's always a band, and the band starts playing like O Tannenbaum or something. Like, oh, let's dance. This is our song. I'm like, no one song. does that. It's a bop. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I wonder on a craft level if, when you're writing and you have a limited space of of what you can address and the characters you can have on screen. And I don't know if the budget constraints are such that they even like the, ch- the producers are really clear on like, you have this many actors we can hire because you know, the budget's tight, but I often wonder like maybe it's just to kind of make a shorthand for parental element. And instead of doing two people, it's just one person just to make it one less relationship you have to establish and then sure. weave in because I just noticed that in general, in a lot of media period, the main character will have one parent just so that they only have to have that one conversation (laughs) with the one person. And they don't necessarily have a complicated triangular relationship with this is the way I am with my mom. This Mm -hmm. is the way I'm with my dad. Then that's how those two characters have a different relationship. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to that, but. Dead parents true. has always worked for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> just a th- thing for yeah, any movie. Uh, a thing that's been coming up that I think that Hallmark understands that people are talking about it and they're trying to address is the whiteness of these mm-hmm. movies. Um, so like, you know, for years they would have what I called the, the, the beef op, which was the black friend on phone, <laughs> you know, which is like the boss or the secretary. If any, or the if any character needed an acronym. It was <laughs> yeah. You know, and she would always be there who serves no purpose, but to listen to the white leads, romantic problems and yep. give her encouraging advice, you know, so that we, we've, we've had the beef op for a long time. Uh, this year there's like, there's, I think a couple of Hallmark movies with black leads and a couple with Latino leads, you know, or Latinx still waiting for some Asian action in there. They have announced next year we're getting Hanukkah movies for the first time. I did oh, see that. That is so exciting. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, why not? Let's let's create some new cliches around this holiday. <laughs> yeah. I want to see how that plays yeah, out. Yeah, I'm very curious. The, the weird thing is that usually with these movies is they will give there will be like the one black friend who's like supportive or whatever, or like the black boss who winds up making the third act happen or whatever. But like in, in Pride, Bridges and Mistletoe, the black characters are either the conniving partner who is out to like, you know, usurp, uh, uh, Lacey Chabert at the company. And then like the woman who runs the community center and the little kids at the community center. And that's it. And that's sort of like, Y'all maybe could have thought that through a yeah, little more. Yeah, <laughs> I should have checked that out. I'm surprised it's taken Hallmark so long to come around to increasing diversity and representation in their movies. Yeah. Because not only is that just an important thing to do, period, and clearly there's an outcry for that and sure. they're finally hearing it, but just from a 
making their own movies better. One huge issue, we've talked about this before, is that I cannot tell the characters apart because they all look the same. <laughs> just from just from a like actually just from improving their movie standpoint, there's a real interest there should be from them to to increase representation and diversity in their movies because if you keep hiring the same blonde guys and women, right. I can't tell anybody mm-hmm. apart. It's truly a it's a real problem. It's like that line that Olympia Dukakis has in uh, Steel Magnolias. They all look like they're carved out of cream cheese. <laughs> <laughs> that could nothing is truer than like mm-hmm. that. Just perfectly describes a Hallmark movie. <laughs> and there, there's a there's a there's a thing of like. The, the dudes are kind of, are all sort of Hallmark handsome. Yes. Like there's mm-hmm. a very specific thing on the spectrum of like, they look like they could be on a soap yeah. or they could yep. be, but they're, they're not like too far in any one direction. They're just very kind of like approachably attractive. You know, It's, it's very frustrating for me because <laughs> I want a cutie to look at. And I feel like oftentimes these hunks are just not my scene. Yeah. Again, they don't have a diversity of like even just body types or like, Faces, sure. period. Same haircut. I, I like Luke McFarlane and Mark Blucas because they both look like their noses have maybe been broken at some mm-hmm. point, which is, I think, sexy. Uh, but yeah, you're right. For the most part, these guys are very, very bland. Yeah. Yeah. They're bland. Like, give us some people who have some character to them. Like, sure. they, they, they like look a little different. That would be really nice. And, you know, God knows gay people watch these movies. I would really like a little representation. Like, we, you know, we don't even get like the gay best friend half the time. Like, yeah, yeah. You're I think right. there was a moment of that, but you lately, no. Like, you have to go to Netflix and look at like the Christmas Prince movie right. to get the the G-fop, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fu- yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think I don't think we'll ever get that or it's going to be a while because I think the core audience yeah, for these probably- movies oh, no, I'm is sure. so conservative yeah. that I don't believe there was they're a, ready for that. I'm pretty sure there was a very stealthy gay couple in Road to Christmas, the one this year with Chad Michael Murray. It's about I still have to see that. It, it's the, the 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 leading lady is trying to get these three adopted brothers together to come show up for their mother's live Christmas Eve TV special. And the third brother, when they finally find him, is like running an animal shelter with this other guy. And there's just, Mm. there's so much coding on the two of these dudes. It's like, are y'all a couple? Is this, (laughs) what's happening here? And they never address it and they never go there. But the whole time, like, y'all are, that's (laughs) it. Okay. Yes. Is it just me or is this happening? You know? Yeah. What did you think of that movie, by the way? I actually, that was one of my favorite ones this year. Uh, I have to admit, when she finally, you know, spoiler, does get them all together for the Mother's Live Christmas Eve special, it was a a moment. It was very sweet. Um, And Chad Michael Murray was fine. He carried it. Yeah, he worked it out. Uh, But yeah, I I thought it was actually, it was was very uh, lovely. And, And it reminded me of the sort of famous... King family moment. Do y'all know about this? No. Mm-mm. The King family was this like they they were sort of the, the the before the Osmonds. They were like the big Mormon huge family singing group. It was originally like the four King sisters, but then they all had kids, and then they would do these. The, the, they had a TV show, and then later these Christmas specials where it'd be like the King kitties and the cousins and the aunts and the uncles, and like it was like, there's a, this mob on stage of, of of interrelated like blonde people who could all sing and play instruments. Um, so in the late 60s, they did a King family special where one of the sisters was singing I'll Be Home for Christmas, and she had this like framed photo on the piano of her son who was in the army at that point. This was during the Vietnam War. And midway through the song, he pops up on stage and surprises her, and she had no idea. Like, they had kept it secret from her. So she legitimately, like, whoa, like, loses it, and then, like, finishes the song, because she's a pro. Um, But it was this sort of, like, famous TV moment where, like, you know, she was kind of caught by surprise, and they reunited on the air. And, you know, obviously, a lot of people 
their kids were serving because we saw the draft then and you know it was a whole thing uh, and so that in 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 road to christmas that moment reminded me of of this real life thing where where the mother is taken by surprise on on television do you have an all-time favorite hallmark movie I mean, you know, it's funny. So the the one of the Hallmark podcasts one time asked, "What's your favorite Hallmark Hall of Fame?" And I said, "Well, you know, the Blackwater Lightship, which is this really moving adaptation of a Colm Toybin novel about a, a a guy dying of AIDS and the three generations of women in his family, uh, played by Gina McKee, uh, uh, Diane Weist, and, and Angela Lansbury, who kind of come together for his final days." But like Hallmark Hall of Fame used to be a much bigger deal and used to be much more prestigious. And now it's just sort of like the Christmas movie that we spend a little more money on and get a few big names in. Like this year, mm-hmm. it was Dennis Haysbert and Patti LaBelle were sort of like the the gets for that one. Um, of these Hallmark Christmas movies, I think my favorite is still The Mistletoe Promise, which is uh, it's it's Luke McFarlane and Jamie King. And based on a book, mm-hmm. but I went back and read the book, and the book is terrible. <laughs> but they changed a lot of stuff for the movie and made it a lot better. But the basic premise is she is divorced, but her husband still owns half of the travel agency that they started together. So she still has to see him all the time. And it's just like, she's depressed about the holidays. And he is a lawyer at one of those firms where no one's taking you seriously. If you aren't, you know, married or, or, you know, showing up at events with a female date, they keep running into each other at the food court at the mall near where they both work. And so he basically creates this, this contract between them where they will pretend to be each other's, you know, significant other to get through the holidays, to go to the holiday parties and blah, blah, blah. And of course, as all fake fiance slash boyfriends, girlfriends and Hallmark movies do, they fall in love. Of course. And that's a little different too, which I appreciate. Yeah. It's, it, it, it feels a little smarter. It's, you know, a lot of times it lives or dies by like who the leads are. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, a Jill Wagner is another actress I like in these. So I think brings a little something more to the table, but yeah, like the two of them are really good in that. I like one called operation Christmas, uh, with Joe Wagner and Mark Blucas, uh, that's one of the the the, the more the, the movies and mysteries. One of the more dramatic ones mm-hmm. where he's in the military and they fall in love on a ski trip, and but then like you know she has to sort of deal with the fact that he can be called back mm-hmm. to go overseas at any moment, and she's trying to like put together this whole sort of charity thing so they can reopen the um, the family center on the base, you know, where that provides resources for people whose spouses are serving overseas, and you know they they can get a little. Fed with the military in these movies. Yeah, That's part of the, sure. the conservativeness of it. But this movie, it felt, it was actually more like, let's talk about how we're not taking good enough care of these people, mm-hmm. that we're not taking care of the families as well as we should be, you know, which felt like almost political, you know. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the Hallmark Hall of Fame movies. Yeah. Especially that one with Angela Lansbury in it. Uh-huh. Which reminds me, I feel like there used to be a, a, a past of Hallmark movies having a little bit more weight to them. Right. Well, this, is was, that, this it, was before there was a Hallmark channel. Like Hallmark okay. Hall of Fame was the thing that would happen like a couple times a year. It would air on a major network. That's right. And, and it, it, it's sort of the last holdover of when you look back at early television, it's like the Alcoa Steel Hour and the, you know, the Gillette Playhouse, whatever, like like these sponsored shows, you know, that would have the, the name of the company in the title. Like Hallmark Hall of Fame is probably the last one of those that's still around. Uh, but yeah, it used to be an event and these were like TV events like Sarah Plain and Tall with, you know, Glenn Close and, yes. and yeah. uh, Christopher Walken or whatever. I remember like, that. Yeah. And, and actually, that's one of the better things about that Hallmark Movies Now streaming mm-hmm. thing. I think they kind of let down the side on the Christmas stuff, but they do have a lot of Hall Older of Fame movies. stuff. Yeah. You know? 
like the the, the piano lesson for August Wilson. Like they made a TV version. So of what that. happened there? Like why don't they do that as much anymore? Well, because I think now they have this channel, and the channel is this beast you have to feed. And yeah. so it's not like they can just pour all their resources into like two or three prestige titles a year. They got to crank these babies out, especially now when you know we're doing thirty seven Christmas movies between you know Halloween and New Year's. That's where it all goes. It's just an interesting model because. They don't really have very many TV shows. They have like Chesapeake, Chesapeake Shores, Chesapeake yeah. Shores, and um, they have the Good when Witch. When calls the heart, let's <laughs> never forget freaking when calls the heart. <laughs> but it's a TV network that has very few TV shows on it. It's mostly television movies and reruns, of course, and, and reruns, right? And so it's an interesting model. I, I don't know if maybe it is like just amazingly cost effective, and I guess it does make them quite unique. I think they figured out how to shoot a. What, 95? What, I don't even know what a two-hour time slot, how long those movies are anymore. Yeah, like, it's like an hour 40. Yeah, like somewhere between 90 and 100 minutes. But they they figured out a formula to shoot those for at TV prices. So, like, you know, that probably their budget is match, matches like what an hour-long, like, Law & Order or something, like a network mm-hmm. show would cost. And then, you know, they just, they get to, they can rerun them like crazy. I mean, part of how they get away with doing the um, 24-7 Christmas like from late October to the end of the year on two separate channels is that they've built up this library of all these movies. Like, it, you might think, oh, my God, why would you do 37 movies? So that you can then pump them in mm-hmm. next year into that schedule and have enough stuff so that you're not repeating the same movies over and over again. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure they're doing it in a way where they're, they get two hours of TV for what one hour of, you know, straight up, you know, Chicago Hope or whatever costs. Yeah. It just seems like a missed opportunity sometimes where, like, I feel like I would like to get into a Hallmark Channel show. Maybe. Mm. I really thought The Good Witch was going to be my way in. Yeah. But there's not enough witching happening in that show. Yeah. It's too much good. I I, I hear they should call it, like, The Good Herbalist, basically. (laughs) She has some intuition. That's basically it. Because Hallmark doesn't go toward anything supernatural. Oh, heavens no. Which goes into the kind of underlying Christian element to the the channel and all Mm. all of its programming. Um, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about like even like Santa's not really a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, they they, they used to, like if you look at some of the older ones, yeah, Santa's more a thing, or like magic is a thing, or there's a you know like for example in the Princess Switch, like there is a character who is clearly Santa who keeps mm-hmm. popping up and is like making things happen, and they've really shied away from that in these, and and I think they you know in a sense part of why these movies are so repetitive or feel like they're following the same formula like you were saying before is because they have. They they like, well, we can't do this and we can't do that. And I think on the one hand, they, they're worried about doing anything that, that, that smacks of the occult. And on the other hand, I think they don't want, the, as, as much as they, they are aiming for kind of a Christian audience, they don't want to be like packs. You know, they don't want to oversell that stuff. And so like a Godwink Christmas this year was way more specifically, like there's more mentions of God in that movie than in almost any other current Hallmark Christmas movie. It comes up a couple of times in A Shoe Addict's Christmas, because I'm sure that's Candace Cameron's prerogative, you know, and there's a there's a cross that belonged to her mother that whether or not she puts it on is kind of a plot point. But uh, like, so they don't want to go too far in that direction either. So that leaves them in this very sort of safe middle where like, you know, yeah, in the small town, everybody goes to the church and we sing carols and da da da, but we don't really talk about God or Jesus. And at the same time, we don't talk about like Santa and elves and, you know, whatever. Yeah, but that's why it's kind of refreshing to have this Netflix option. Yeah. There's a the Christmas calendar we were talking about before, mm-hmm. I think it's the name. That was all supernatural. 
based. True, yeah. And that was a nice change of pace. Um, and also, the like I watched a Lifetime movie with Amy Ackerich and the cozy celebrity from our last episode. Uh-huh. And um, that was very hokey, but it wasn't didn't have these underlying Christian elements. Hmm. So I'm not sure if Lifetime is like that or... I think Lifetime can kind of play around with it more. Like Lifetime probably will give you a gay best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, oh, there well, was I, one in that. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, the, a thing that kind of came up this year was about um, whether or not Hallmark specifically or intrinsically or whatever had a policy about interracial couples because... Oh. An extra in one of the movies, uh, who was a black woman, was told by some PA, oh, Hallmark doesn't, we don't do interracial couples, because like, they put her next to a white guy. And she talked to the press about it, and Hallmark was like, nope, no, we would never, you know, explicitly, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, then you would hear rumblings from, like, you know, the Vancouver film industry, well, it's not written down, but, you know... However, Dave pointed out, like, we, we almost sort of Zapruder filmed this, like, this <laughs> moment in A Shoe Addict's Christmas where you actually do see a black man and a white woman arm in arm walking through a department store together. And it was like, okay, I guess they got the memo. Yeah. So, wow, I never thought about that. But yeah. there was a Lifetime movie last year with Tatiana Ali, whose title escapes me, but it, she's the lead and the white guy's the lead and they fall in love at the end and it's never discussed. Mm-hmm. And, and in Holiday Calendar the lead character is mixed race, like yeah. white mom, black oh, dad. Yes, and yeah, it's very, true, like, very true. Very right in there in your face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a nice change of pace. So I've been kind of experimenting with Netflix Christmas movies. It's been fun. Uh, Netflix is pretty much, you know, doing it right. I mean, like Christmas Prince is not to everybody's taste, but there are people who really love it. <laughs> yeah. Which I find that. hilarious because it's the most hallmarky of their movies. Like apart from like Girl in Wheelchair that you would never see in a Hallmark movie because they shy away from anything that's too diseasy for the most part. <laughs> Except for like Once Upon a Christmas Miracle, which I've mm-hmm. already seen has some hospital sequences. Uh, and the like I said, the the gay and black best friends, it, it ultimately plays like a Hallmark movie. You're right. And it's the Christmas Prince, I know I'm probably gonna ruffle some feathers because people do really love it oh yeah but it's, I think it's pretty boring it's a little you know like the the sequel especially is one of those like plots where if anybody had a five-minute conversation it would settle everything you know yep. but like oh the we're losing all this money on this initiative blah blah and 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 the 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 fiance is like well, well maybe we should run an audit you know and no <laughs> one's listening to her at all yeah and so she finally has to get like the you know the wheelchair princess hacker dj to go into the <laughs> files and figure out what's going on yeah, quite the quite the uh, little series they got going there at the Christmas Prince. <laughs> yeah, well, on the topic of the other channels who do Christmas movies, yeah. I have a little game for you. Ooh. So, Kiss, Mary, Kill, <laughs> <laughs> Lifetime, Hallmark, or Freeform? I had never watched a Freeform Christmas movie, so... I've only seen a couple. Like I, I, One of my favorite of these movies at all is a Freeform title, and it's uh, 12 Dates of Christmas. Yeah, I, I watched a Freeform one, or maybe it was Lifetime. I can't really remember the difference, which is kind of an yeah. issue. But um, it was called Angry Angel. Ooh, I don't know that one. Oh, it was it was the actress from The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. <laughs> and she's an, she dies and uh, has is, is turned into an angel, but she's really angry about, <laughs> about you know, having to like help other people. She's really bad at it. <laughs> And oh, it's like kind of like a social media thing. It's almost like that Black Mirror episode where she has to do a certain number of good things. Oh, right. In order to get into heaven, and oh she my keeps God. And she keeps messing up and getting negative points. <laughs> it's actually really funny. Um, and dark. Totally, it's dark and different, but funny. And I think it was the only one that they made. I, 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 and I, I can't remember that. That might have been Freeform, but 
I love Holiday in Handcuffs, which I believe is <laughs> Lifetime. That, my friend Dreo says, she goes, I want to remake that movie with the exact same script and make it like a horror thriller. You could, yeah. <laughs> you really could. But really I, and, and still have Melissa Joan Hart in it. But that's my point is that like the other channels get that you can make a different movie like yeah. with mm-hmm. a different like a different plot and you can go they're edgier sure so for for me for my kiss Mary kill <laughs> all right you, you have to play the game okay okay so for me I would definitely kill Hallmark wow okay yeah I would kiss lifetime and I think I would marry freeform because I think freeform splits the difference it's like it's it's a little edgier but they have a bit more comfiness to mm-hmm. them and so I think they'd be a, be a happier marriage um, I would marry Hallmark just because predictable seems right for a marriage, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, comforting. It's your solid choice. So I'd marry Hallmark. And then I would kiss Lifetime and kill Freeform, but just because I don't have any knowledge of it. So Wow. Indiscriminate, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Not be ruthless. I would probably also marry Hallmark just because you're right. There is a there is a there is a comfort level to their sameness, which I'm mm-hmm. sure is baked in, and that's the whole point of the sameness in the first place. And and I I do find myself that when I'm watching Lifetime movies this year, I'm like I, I miss the Hallmarky aspects that aren't quite there, mm-hmm. you know. But um, I might I so I'd marry Hallmark. I'd probably kiss Freeform. Again, just based on 12 Dates of Christmas, which is essentially like a, a Groundhog Day uh, redo, you know, where, where she keeps going on the same date with Mark Paul Gosseler over and over <laughs> again until she gets it right. Um, and I guess I would kill Lifetime, but I, I, I'm not killing anybody. Like, I, <laughs> I, I will watch the up titles. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm very, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty easy on, the, on this time of year, you know. <laughs> Well, that sound means that the Polar Express is pulling into the station. It's time for us to share our celebrities that calm us. What celebrities are calming us this holiday season? I, you know, I got to go with Andy Williams. Oh, okay. That's a solid choice. <laughs> um, he is he is somebody who figured out how to make Christmas work for him. Um, you know, he had, he'd been a singer and uh, occasional actor, I guess, but... Uh, you know, had a TV special, so I had a TV series, a, a variety series running for many years, but early on figured out that like the Christmas episode was going to be a very big deal for him. And so it, he kind of established this uh, thing where, you know, he would bring out his family and he would bring on his brothers who had been in an act with him years before, and before he had broken out and gone solo. He would bring out the Osmonds every year when they were very young, like little Donnie, you know, sort of like got his big break on that show. And, um, you know, he, his wife was Claudine Langer, who was a, a singer in her own right, who I dig. She also then, uh, well, first they got divorced, but then he kept bringing her and the kids out every Christmas anyway, which I thought was, you know, kind of pretty progressive for the 60s because they were still a family. She was still the mother of his children. And then, of course, later, you know, she uh, uh, shot a skier and that got into the whole this whole crazy scandal. She was eventually uh, acquitted of manslaughter, but, you know, who knows what really happened <laughs> oh. there. But that's just a, sort of a weird chapter there. But, you know, I mean, he and he eventually, like, wound up opening a theater and Branson, you know, Missouri and sort of putting on his show there. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I'm sure in a lot of ways he's super conservative and probably like, Mm -hmm. you know, believed or said things that would drive me up the wall. But as far as his like Christmasness and, you know, uh, he has two Christmas albums in the 60s, the Andy Williams Christmas album and Merry Christmas, which are great. Like I highly recommend them. And um, 
And you know, I wish they would release the the the, the 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 Christmas episodes in their entirety. There's a DVD you can buy that has a lot of clips from them and stuff. Uh, I just yeah, there's something about his presence. I grew up listening to the to his records at Christmas time, and now going back and seeing the TV stuff, I think he really kind of early on figured out what Christmas TV should look like. And uh, so yeah, I find him very cozy. That's a solid yeah. choice. That reminds me too that the Christmas special is a lost art. And I really wish there were more. Did you see the John Legend one? Did that come out this year? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was on this week. Oh, no, I didn't catch it. Yeah, A Legendary Christmas with John and Chrissy. Like, How was had, it? Did you watch it? it? Yeah, it's quite charming, actually. Oh, I, I, need, to catch, I need to catch up on yeah, that. Yeah, I think yeah. you dig it. Because so many contemporary ones get too winky about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, these old cornball Christmas specials and we're doing one. Like, th- they, they ride the line of, like, we're kind of goofing on this, but we're taking it seriously. And mm-hmm. so there's, like, musical bits, but there's, you know, little comedy moments. And, like, there's a whole thing where, you know, she's a chef now and she mm-hmm. puts out cookbooks. And there's this, apparently, uh, the show would have you believe there's this been sort of long-running resentment over the fact that everybody raves about his mac and cheese and not mm-hmm. hers. And so eventually to settle it, they actually go to a focus group. No. Oh, wow. <laughs> anyway, it, it, it's good. I think you'd like it. That sounds yeah. amazing. Have you listened to his album? Uh, I've heard bits of it. And the the bits I had heard before, I wasn't loving because uh, you know how female singers now, especially in the post-American Idol era, like will lean on melisma? That, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, oh, my goodness. That, that, I guess maybe it's Whitney Houston. I was just talking about that with my partner and how much, because we were, we were just like having uh, the Pandora Christmas station go on. Oh, right. And we, it's, I forget which song. I had, I had no idea what that was called. I just like <laughs> the annoying Christina Aguilera thing. Yes, exactly. Working yeah, the exactly. Jillian, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And it came on and it was like, there was like not even a word said, it felt like. It was just sort of like the whole time, like, <laughs> like, like the whole thing. It's, it's just, can you just stop trying to make, it's like the only idea that some artists have to make a song their own yes. is to just do, what is that called? Melisma. Mal, do melisma all over the place. That sounds like a disease. And you know what? It is. <laughs> or or like a supporting character on Bewitched. Um, anyway, but like I think female singers lean on melisma and then male crooners, especially like your Bublés and your, your Josh Grobens and whatnot, Jeez. will I think elongate vowels in a way that I find really annoying. So like when I heard John, the first cut on the John Legend Chris album I heard was he was like, he was like, uh, have yourself oh, a very no. little Christmas. <laughs> like, oh my God, stop with the vowel extension. No. But after hearing the, the special and hearing other songs that are on there, I kind of dig them. So I might, mm-hmm. I might pick it up after all. Yeah, I'm just starting to get into it, but I, I, I think it, it's okay so far. We'll see. The jury's still out for me. Okay. Yeah, well, he's he's marketing that real hard. So I, I hope, oh, hope yeah. it works out for him. I really love his voice. It's very velvety. I like him. Oh. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. So he, he looks like, I, I was noticing, I was like, he he looks like a friendly dog puppet. Yeah, well, he he's he's a he's an adult yeah. baby. Christine Chrissy Teigen has pointed this out, but he just looks like a big baby. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And it's very comforting. Face. It's comforting. I love John Legend. He's a great baby man. <laughs> Jillian, what is what is your celebrity that calms you, or who is your celebrity that calms you? Um, who? Yeah, who, who is calming you this Christmas? Um, the two fat ladies. <gasps> oh, great choice. Yeah, I, I get their names wrong, but Clarissa Dickinson Wright mm-hmm. and Jennifer. Patterson is pronounced for last thing, so only has one T. I'm, so. I gasped because I genuinely forgot they existed. Me too. I got into it when I was in the fifth grade. I went to London for the first time, and so me and my mom were watching this, and I fell in love with them because they were just 
to me, they were so charming. Yeah. I found them very funny and just comforting to watch. So for that Christmas, my mom got me the box set DVDs of the two Do you still fat have ladies. Them? I'll, I probably in my childhood home. Yeah. You, can you pick those up when you're home? Yeah. yeah you. it, it was so, it was, yes. Yeah, so I remember getting the box set and just being thrilled. It was probably weird for like a fifth grader to get the two fat ladies of box set and getting so thrilled over it. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like the, um, that art nun. <laughs> That was obsessed oh, with uh, also Sister, uh, Sister Wendy. Sister Wendy, yes. yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was around the same time, and I remember getting super into Sister Wendy. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, like I was revisiting them this morning, and I didn't know they kind of were hated by a lot of critics. It, mm. They got a lot of hate, um, and that they persevered. They were just two unique people put together, and. Are they still alive? No, one died in um, 1999. The other died in 2014. Oh. Um, uh, Which of them hated gays? Oh, but I guess my fifth grade sensibilities <laughs> pick up on that. I don't know that it came up on the show, but like one of them, I think, gave some interview where there was like, like, oh, it was kind of cringily homophobic. Oh no! <laughs> well, maybe no. it was the one in 2014. So I think that I think her obituary did mention that she's part of a conservative party. Uh, I, I was just looking it up. Uh, the, somebody described it as refreshingly non-PC, and I'm like, oh boy, what does that mean? Oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> well, now I really want to check it out again. Yeah, no, it seems no, no, yeah, yeah, Not yeah. to yuck your yum, you know. I, no, I but when I was younger, I, I didn't pick up on these little things where apparently one of them was a recovering alcoholic and would make note of that, and then the other one would always leave the kitchen to have a drink and a cigarette, which I also don't recall, so maybe, I think I need to revisit it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but at the time, Time. It was just these like little. I think it was my first foray with like English banter, you know, uh, British banter. Mm, yeah. And so that was charming to me and new to me at the time. And so I have this memory of that. Um, but yeah, it'd be fun if my man and I revisited. Uh, That'd be a good cozy yeah. topic. Yeah. We, we should yeah get those DVDs because yeah. there's, there's an episode in this. There is an episode in this. Yeah, and, and they had their little motorcycle too. I think. Oh my! It, it keeps getting better and better. <laughs> I, wow. Yeah, I remember them, and I haven't thought about them, I think, I genuinely. Know. Like, not even a an errant thought about yeah, the two fat ladies for... They popped in my head this morning. Years and years. So, thank you, Julian. That is a tough act to follow. Deep I almost cut. don't want to share mine, because <laughs> yeah. that was such well, a good choice. Well, now I know what this gay stuff. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I, you know, I could be remembering yeah. it wrong, but that's when I... I'm it, sure you're not. In, in the, yeah. the Rolodex card in my head of the two fat ladies, like, wasn't one of them a homophobe? But I don't know. To be TBT. Yeah. My celebrity yes. is also British. And we talked about this before because we discussed it. And I can't remember if I... I might be pulling a Jillian and reusing somebody. I think I mentioned him is before. Is it Ted Danson? It's not Ted Danson. Yeah, I love pulling out Ted Danson. Uh, <laughs> when Jillian can't think of anyone else. It's Ted. Um... So feel free to make fun of me, Julianne. You can go hard on me. I know I'm tough on you when you reuse <laughs> celebrities. Uh, but Noel Fielding from the uh, great uh, British Bake Off, he's the yes. n- one of the new hosts. He grew on me. I, at first I was like, who, is, who's the, who let the goth chick into <laughs> this show? But I, actually his personal style has really grown on me. And I was talking about this with my partner that we were watching it and we realized that every single host and judge has a really distinct style. Sure. Which I think is really unique because, you know, you, you look at most reality show competitions and everyone's just sort of like generically styled. Mm-hmm. But every like, as, you know, you have um, Noel who has eyeliner on and mm-hmm. dark hair and just like really weird sweaters. The who's the other host's name? The the lesbian Prue. Prue no Prue. Well, the other Prue's the ju- judge. Oh, oh, oh but she right. has all of like the the modern art, like just yes. like color blocks going on. 
Paul Hollywood has his like express for men like <laughs> thing going on. And I'm blanking on the other host's name. She has like her like button downs and her flannel. Fl- not so not so much flannel. She usually do like a button down and jeans. Uh, Sandy? Sandy, thank you. Sandy Tuxvig. I haven't heard of her. If you like Noel Fielding, you should go back and watch The Mighty Boosh. Right, that's what he's famous from, but I, I had never watched that. Yeah. If anything, I only know him from his voice work and other, ah. and other stuff, because he's also a pretty prominent voice actor. Mm. But yeah, what I love about him is he is so calm, and his, he has an even tone of voice. Mm-hmm. His humor is gentle, and he totally surprises you. You're not looking at him. You would not expect... I, w- I was ab- I was like bracing myself for a Russell Brand situation. Yes, exactly. he looks like that. You think he's going to be this like Tasmanian devil, and he's totally sweet. He's like, totally sweet, and he's so lovely with the contestants. I, yeah, I really enjoy him on that show. And so I just I think he's really cozy, and I I think he's mm-hmm. actually a huge boon for the show. And I I think I actually don't miss uh, Mel and Sue. Mm. I'll be totally honest. I don't miss Mel and Sue. Mm. I like the new host a little better. No, no shade on Mel and no Sue. No shade, shade but, on Mel and Sue, yeah. but I think, like in this case, I think the, the new judges have a little bit more character, and I like that. Well, good choice too. Yeah. All right, so that brings us into our candle review. Mm. So we are burning a Christmas candle yep. as, as as our theme. Jillian, can you uh, introduce the candle we're burning today? Well, I got it at Michael's um, bus. Doorbuster sale, I think it's called. So I kicking down the doors. Yeah, I couldn't. They had all these candles, and uh, they were almost out of them. People were the line was almost out the doors, crazy. So it's the holiday hearth uh, candle from the Ashland uh, Christmas Noel series, and I also picked up a few other of these from this series. I believe was a ginger cookie one, Um, but I thought this was appropriate because it has a nice little wreath on it and. is I'm surprised this isn't the ginger cookie one because that's the smell I'm getting. Exactly. That's what, as this was burning, that's what I was thinking because I burned the ginger cookie at my house last night and it really smells just like this one. They just so. recolored it. <laughs> yeah, like holiday hearth if instead of throwing pine cones on the fire, you're just throwing in gingerbread command or something. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, pretty much. That's the smell. I mean, it's nice. I like it. It just doesn't match the label. Yeah, maybe this is mislabeled or they're just tricking the masses. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm coming down a little bit of a cold, so I can't quite smell it. Or maybe, I don't know how if you two can speak to the throw. When I, I can get never clo- smell it. When I get close to the candle, I really like the scent. I, I'm actually a little sinusy, so I was worried that I was not going to be getting it. But I'm a good four feet away, and it's it's hitting me. I'm, yeah. getting, mm-hmm. I'm, getting, the, uh, I'm getting the fragrance. Yeah. I think it's maybe... I don't know, maybe a half with for me just because I don't... I think it smells like your Rylons like the ginger cookie. So I'm not sure what that candle supposed to smell like yeah i mean i'll say three quarters in that i like what it smells like it just doesn't do what it says on the box yeah <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna do half because i can't quite get the throw from from where i am but i don't know if that's me or the candle okay um but that's... when i get close the scent itself like is nice yeah, yeah it's just a nice pleasant scent but yeah. i don't i don't i don't think it's hitting the holiday notes i, I think it is i think it's just not getting the hearth notes yeah you know? what, what is the holiday note in that scent for you the ginger, the ginger. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it, it. This smells like a ginger cookie to me, and so it does. You know, I'm I'm not generally somebody who runs out to buy candles that make you make the house smell like you're baking. I'd rather just bake, you yeah. know, make the house smell that way. Uh, and, and 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 I think some of those scents, like if they get too vanilla-y or whatever, they can be kind of cloying. But this is a nice sort of homey, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're all in with the windows closed kind of smell, and it works for me. Yeah. It's nice, I think, but like I said, half a wick just because, I, like you said, it's not doing the job. Sure. So that's a one and three quarter out of three. Not bad. Yeah. Yeah. 
and, and those candles at Michael's are pretty affordable too, so it's a, it's an easy thing to pick up. Yeah, yeah, and definitely. It's a big one, like yeah, you, know. you get a lot of value from yeah. it. We're also drinking the Hallmark Countdown <laughs> to Christmas tea that Alonzo yes. was so kind enough to share with us, and so the flavor of the tea is cinnamon and cardamom. Mm-hmm. I really like it. I, like I think it what too. I like the most about it is obviously Flavorful. cinnamon is very holiday ish. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like all the holidays to be <laughs> honest, but. It's a really rounded flavor. It's really smooth. Yeah. And that's what I like the most about this tea is that you get the spiciness, but mm-hmm. there's a way that it's almost like, and this is the way that tea works, but like throat coat happening. Totally, yeah. Without so the it, heavy like anise that, 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 there's an actual tea called throat coat. Yeah. Which oh. when you're, for when you're sick, it, it does the job, but I don't like drinking it because it, it has very heavily taste of anise, which is a flavor mm-hmm. I can't deal with. And there's anise in this, but it's very subtle and it doesn't, it's not a deal breaker for me. Yeah. There's just sort of like a, underneath the cinnamon, there's just this rounded flavor that mm. feels, you get the holiday warmth. spirit warmth of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just goes down really nice. I like yeah, this tea. I just like the flavors in it. Because there's some teas that boast it being very flavorful, and they're not. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm nice. not a general. I'm not a big tea person in general. But if I am going to have one, I want it to be in the sort of cinnamon clove mm-hmm. part of the of the herbal spicy spectrum. And I, I like the way this one does it. If anything, uh, I you know it says on the on the jar like five to seven minutes steep. I, I think maybe go a little longer because mm-hmm. I like a, a if I'm going to do cinnamon tea, I want it to be a little stronger. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, 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 I literally just, I bought it for the gimmick of it, but I have to say it's, it's a tea I like. Yeah, I love it. And you can only buy it at World Market, right? Yes. It's a, it's a World Market exclusive. It is indeed. Which is also a really cozy place. Yeah, World Market <laughs> should send us some stuff because I, I love everything they have in there. Yeah. It's all very cozy. We should record from within a World Market. And they really do up Christmas. And uh, if you're looking for like Danish or British or German sort of mm-hmm. cookies or candies or things like that, that's a good place to go for, yeah, for a lot of that absolutely. Stuff. So yeah, so check out that tea. It's, it's worth checking out. Yeah. I can't believe we're already at the end of our Christmas episode journey. Christmas just zips by. You I know. know. You blink and it's gone. Yeah. It's uh, it's really just a, a lovely season. I'm so happy to have the decorations out. It's yeah. such a warm time of year. And you make it especially cozy. Yeah, thank you Christmas. for joining us again. As do y'all. It's, 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 seriously, I, 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 I listen to y'all all year round. It's, it's, it, this show has been a real balm for the last, you know, for this crazy period of history that we're in. Uh, and I'm just delighted to get to come on and talk about Christmas oh, with thank you. Thank you. You know, Michael Verratti is our crypt keeper and Alonzo is our father Christmas. So we're really happy to have you here. (laughs) Alonzo, where can people catch up with you and and find the other work that you do? Sure. I'm uh, at A-D-U-R-A-L-D-E on Twitter. Uh, That's where I pretty much post links to whatever I'm up to. But you can read me at therap.com, T-H-E-W-R-A-P. Um, follow me uh, at uh, Linoleum Knife, the podcast I host with my husband, Dave White, who was on the show a couple episodes ago. Um, we're on all the podcatchers or at patreon.com slash Linoleum Knife. I also co-host Who Shot Ya on the Maximum Fun Network. And hey, it's a great time of year to pick up my holiday movie book, Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. Now That's right. available uh, on Amazon as a book or as a Kindle. Great stocking stuffer. Yeah. Yes, thank you. I like to think so. <laughs> And yeah, get your copy of Have Yourself a Movie Little Christmas. I have a copy right here in my library. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And check out Linoleum Knife. It's an amazing, amazingly cozy podcast. I, you know, mm-hmm. We try. Y'all are an inspiration in that regard. And if, <laughs> if you've not heard the episode where Matt and Jillian came on, uh, please do. We have yeah, we share a cozy Rex. Yeah. Cozy yes. movie Rex. It was nice. 
And for us, you can find us at All Things Cozy Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. And join the group. Yeah, join the group because we figured out how to add people again. So that's good. Yeah, Um, Alonzo, you're always a big uh, participator in the group, which I appreciate. Oh, I enjoy it. There's some some fun folks in there. And uh, yeah, good thing we can uh, prove people again. I think it was a Mercury retrograde incident <laughs> so lots of mercury record are we out coming. of that phase uh december 6th okay so, so if you had any miscommunication issues for the past week or so it's a short stint all right um i've had a lot but i'm virgo so i'm ruled by mercury <laughs> not to go too much into it but so <laughs> moving on well we hope you survived mercury and retrograde yeah. just and in time for the holidays happy holidays yeah. and as always stay cozy bye It's the most wonderful time of the year With the kids jingle-belling And everyone telling you be of good cheer It's the most wonderful time of the year